0: Welcome to Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dave, the clean approach to building your successful business. Now, let's introduce Tom Borg and Dr. Dave Miles. Welcome to Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dave, where we bring you the clean approach to building your successful business. And by clean, we're not talking about spigot, span, and dust bombs. This podcast is all about the acronym CLEAN. We try to bring you things that relate to communication, leadership, engagement, and no drama. And no drama, absolutely. So today, we're going to take a little bit different twist and talk about how to build a strong, positive culture in your organization. How we're going to do that is talk a little bit about some case studies and some things that we've done with some clients and just give you some examples of things that you can do in your Mm -hmm. organization to help Right positive, strong culture. So one way that I like to look at this is how many times do you hear about it in the news, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, all these things that pop up about toxic work cultures, mm. you hear it all the time. An adage that is tried and true. It is rock solid and we use it all the time. Is a quote from Dr. John C. Maxwell that talks about people don't leave organizations, people leave people. Uh, And it's people that are the ones that are creating toxic workplace environments. Nobody wants to work in that and think about what that does to employee engagement, which if you look at the Gallup G12 uh, study that you look at, there's a direct correlation between employee engagement and productivity. Everybody wants to be more efficient, wants to be more productive. Well, if you work on engagement, that helps that quite a bit. When people want to work there, uh, and you have a strong, positive culture and not a toxic workplace culture, and by engagement, we're talking about specifically employee engagement. One definition of it that I like to use is it's just that little bit extra that they don't have to give that they do, and it doesn't take a math. PhD to realize that if you've got ten, a small business of 10 people and everybody has that little bit more they're giving, let's just say 10% more, that's one full FTE, one full time person that you don't necessarily have to hire. And when you're talking about a small business like that, that one extra person can be a huge expense. And that may be money that you could put back into your business other ways to help grow and expand and scale. That's right. And so those are real tangible, real bottom line results that come from this. The other one is reduction of turnover. Most people don't realize how expensive turnover really is. Tom and I both have some calculators that we use with clients, and we can uh, link to that in the description or in the comments where you can click on and actually go to one of these calculators and just get a – this is a, a general idea of the ones mm-hmm. um, that you know, we put out on a link to get an idea of how much is it really costing your bottom line. Mm-hmm. One, as we talked about many times before, Tom, when you're talking about less than 4% unemployment, you're talking about full employment. Uh, really? John, That's right. That's all it yeah, is out there. You hear a lot of things. Uh, Johnny Taylor from Sure. Uh, the new the CEO and president of Sherm talks about, you know, in the HR realm, typically 4% is considered full employment. And so you've got, the joke is you've got 4% of the population that doesn't want to work. Like, mm-hmm. they don't care. They're like, I'm good, man. I, I don't I don't want to come work. So when your unemployment rate is lower than four, you're begging people to come to work. And mm-hmm. so when you're talking about 3.5 nationally, and I know in my region, it's almost it's somewhere around 2.5 to 2.8%, mm-hmm. which is insane they're really hurting for people. Can you afford to one, not hire the right people in the first time? And two, can you really afford to have a workplace culture where people leave? They're not engaged. And when they walk out the door, who do you have waiting in the wings to replace them? Mm. Mm. That's right. Not that many people, not as many people as there used to be with the, when you had a higher unemployment. So, One of the things we really want to stress is building that strong, positive culture because it does have very tangible, bottom line, that CFO could be happy results to Mm -hmm. the organization. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways we do that is improving communication. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about today. So, Tom, tell me some of the things that we talked a few things about before the podcast, but tell me a little bit about some of the things that you've done because we want to do this a little bit differently and more of a, instead of a three ways to do this or five ways to do that type of podcast, we wanted to do more of a case study. Like here's some tools, here's some things to consider, here's some things we've done. Uh, we can help you with it. Look at some other places, do it yourself, you know, but give people ideas of tools that they I can try. To help sure. people. That's right. Some examples of some of the things you've done as far as uh, working with teams, working with organizations, helping communications, and trying to build that strong, positive culture.
1: Absolutely. So Dave, one of the keys that we find with our clients is when we get their teams together in a workshop atmosphere, that is one of the best ways to start to build this kind of positive work culture. So what we like to do in our workshops is to create that environment where people are excited about being there. So they, right. we get in there, we do some exercises, loosen them up, uh, get them to know each other a little bit, but then we start getting into the program itself. And you'll talk more about the assessment that we use with some of our workshops, but what we like to do in the beginning is get them involved. So it's typically doing an icebreaker of some kind that starts to reveal a little bit about that individual so that people start to learn things about each other. They didn't know. They might have worked with this person for 20 years, but they, don't, they did not know some of the things we helped them share in the workshop. And it's all positive. It's all good things. But the key is we're trying to build a bond, a commonality where people can understand other people better by realizing, hey, there's some things that are different about them, but there's also some things we have in common. And that's important. Also, when we start to do those types of exercises at the beginning of a workshop and throughout it, it starts to build vulnerability. In other words, people are willing to open up a little bit. And when we can build vulnerability, we show vulnerability, we build trust with others. Because when I show you that I'm vulnerable, you want to show me some of the things that you're vulnerable about. And as a result, we start to close uh, bring this bond closer together. We, we try to we start to get this bridge, uh, built between the two of us. And as a result, we start to learn more about each other and about how we can get along with each other better, which is right. one of the things we'll talk about later.
0: And one I think of the things, that, I think that comes down to authenticity and trust. Those That's are right. Things that you hear about all the time. So I think that, that folks that are trying to translate, mm-hmm. man, what, what you're talking about, like vulnerability, it all yeah. boils down to, if you look at same thing, different perspective, Authenticity and trust.
1: Absolutely, Daniel uh, uh, Coyle talks about that in, in his emotional intelligence books about the idea of being able to build uh, trust through vulnerability. When we do that, it just opens up the door. So, in addition to that, we want to give your your team or you should give your team a, an opportunity to experience something they've never experienced before. So, when they experience it together, that's creating a bonding opportunity and allows them to again. Bridge that gap they may have in terms of communication and connecting with each, with each other. So this is one of the tools we like to use with our clients is a workshop gets people engaged, get them involved, help them to learn about each other, find out what they have in common, what they don't have in common, and what's what learn some things about each other they didn't know before, open up that door to building trust through good, solid communication work in that workshop. So that's yes. that's one of the things we like to do. Tell us a little more, Dave. How would how we
0: uh, build on that with some of the tools we've used? Well, yeah, I will honestly tell you that when I first went into business for myself, I, you know, of course, have come out with my PhD in organizational leadership. Had to do it was a research research based PhD. Mm-hmm. My concentration was in human resource development, so mm-hmm. it was all about making organizations better through developing their leaders, their people their teams mm-hmm. totally a hundred percent me. Um, i had been doing training at some former fashion since 92. And one of the things that I loved about the concentration is why I went down this road is that we got a chance to use lots of different assessment tools. Mm-hmm. When I got out, one of the things I learned Wholeheartedly about this. There's a lot of academic, there's a lot of commercial, different assessment tools that are out there. Oh, yes. I wanted to make sure, coming out of this research based program, that I had something that was rooted in solid science that wasn't, I, I joke in my workshops, that it, it wasn't something where it was, what's your spirit animal on Facebook kind of mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. was, there's a lot of good, there's a, some great assessments out there that are not valid, that are not reliable, that are, they, but they're good for what they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking them, they're they are, They're good for general awareness, they're good for sure. the uses of their But But that wasn't me. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that we had something that I could literally hang my hat on and say, this is solid science, not only from a, which I found out later with the assessment tools that we use, not only from a statistical analysis perspective, uh-huh. but also the amount of research that goes into it from more of a neurological science uh, 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 science. Basis as well. So, Uh for example, uh, I'd always heard that different behavioral assessments were not valid and reliable. Uh, Uh And so, when I was interviewing basically different companies, that was one of the first things that I asked for. And when they, the company that we use, uh, TTI Success Insights, they were like, oh, oh, okay, well. Some of them may, some of them may not, but hmm. how about I send you this 100-page statistical analysis compendium on all the research that we've done on ours, and it shows all the statistical analysis and the breakdowns and this and that, and that. when I got it and looked at it, I was amazed at how accurate and how reliable they were, and right. what I find out is that instead of having maybe 16 different profiles or 64 different profiles, we have you know over 300 and some different individual breakdowns based on how people answer these questions mm-hmm. and how much they have been researched and how high the, the Cronbach's alpha is for these, the internal reliability is for them. It's amazing. To mm-hmm. And that's all well and good, but that's not the real test. The real test is when people sit there and they read through, like for example, the very first part of this assessment or it breaks it down into three paragraphs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: all this data into three paragraphs that you read and people look at those paragraphs and they are like, "Oh my God, have you tapped into my Alexa? How do you know this? You know, mm-hmm. or, or, or no. do you have a camera in my kitchen? Like this is right. this is this is freaky. How do you know this?" Mm-hmm. And I laugh and I always giggle and I'm like, "It's just science." And mm-hmm. then what we do is we individually when we do a workshop, we actually give them an assessment uh, link beforehand, and it. Could be minimum of two different assessment packages. It could mm-hmm. be three, or sometimes even four or five different assessments that are mm-hmm. in the suite that we give them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But at a minimum, we always look at their behaviors and communication style, and we look at their driving forces, what their motivators, what gets them going in the morning, mm-hmm. what really makes them tick. And we also can look at things like uh, the uh, soft skill competency as a strength based inventory of 25 different soft skill competencies, leadership, Mm -hmm. conflict resolution, decision making, and things that are important as a manager or as a leader in the workplace. Then we also look at different things like emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Daniel Goldman in his book, uh, Mm -hmm. series of books on emotional intelligence. There's two different authors and two different researchers that went down the road. I really liked Daniel Goldman's approach and that's the approach that they have help create these tools for that they actually use the Goldman model for mm-hmm. Daniel Goldman's model for emotional intelligence. When they look at the research tools that we have for, uh, EQ here at, um, th- that we use through TTI. Mm-hmm. Now, what I like about that is when I sit down and look at the, at a minimum, the behaviors and the motivators, the behaviors are really observable behavior. They are the how you do what you do. If you if you think about it, the ocean and you have the waves coming. You you see the waves, mm-hmm. and that's the behaviors. That's the how you do what you do. But you can't always see the undertow that can pull you out to sea afterwards. You know, you don't ever see the current that, the that's flowing underneath. And right. the, the driving forces, the motivators, those aren't as apparent, and that's kind of like the undertow. So okay. that's the driving forces that we're finding uh,
1: that we can help the people in the workshops identify that they, they possess. Right?
0: Correct. And th- right. And that's one of those things that you can kind of needle out and pick out from these mm-hmm. assessments and find mm-hmm. out what does drive you, what gets you going in the morning. And a lot of times, once you hear that and you realize it, you're like, wow, that, I never really thought about it in that way. Mm-hmm. And sure what that does is that also gives when we do it in a in a team format for those two, you start to learn, wow, that's why Joe does what he does, or that's why Sue is kind of the mm-hmm. way she is. And it, a lot of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then for the drivers, it goes a little bit deeper. What I like about that, and I'll give you a perfect example, and we won't go into all of them, but mm-hmm. it, a lot of the, the driving forces look at different things that motivate folks. How you look at knowledge, how you look at creating and just in and performing tasks how you look at others how you look at your environment mm-hmm. um, different things now saying that one of the ones is about your environment and it runs a continuum mm-hmm. and it runs the continuum from objective on one end to harmonious on the other and you're like uh, what does that mean i don't understand right well you're I'll give you an example. You're a purely objective person. And here's where it makes a difference in the workplace. You're purely objective person, 100% on one side, could be the guy or the girl that you literally could put them in a basement with two file cabinets, a piece of plywood, a laptop, a phone. They have everything they need to do their job. As long as they have everything they need to do their job, they are golden. They don't mm-hmm. care. It doesn't have to be pretty. Now they like pretty. They appreciate pretty. But they don't have to have it to be productive. They're Uh the kind of folks that can structure, they can wall off and they can compartmentalize very easily. Chaos going on all around them, Uh they can make things happen throughout the chaos. Those are the kind of folks that maybe if there's stuff going on at home, home is home, work is work. (laughs) Very objective. On the other hand, you end up having on the far other side, you have what they call harmonious. Uh and For those people, I laugh. Those people, they're the ones when you walk in the office, you've got the feng shui going on and you've got the, the plants mm-hmm. and you've got the the little trickly water and all the pictures are just pretty and just mm-hmm. so. Now, the objective person may like that just as much as the other, but those people have to have that in order to be productive. And the harmonious it's, ones. The mm-hmm. harmonious ones, they have to mm-hmm. have that environment. They mm-hmm. also, the way they look at their environment is a little bit different. They're looking at the big picture if something rattles them in one area it's going to rattle them in all their areas mm-hmm. they're not able to compartmentalize one specific thing, but they're really good at, for example, like your event planners and your wedding planners are mm-hmm. phenomenal that they're are really high in harmonious because they're looking at the whole experience an HR right. professional who's looking at what is the whole cultural experience of working at this place, sure, which is incredible now here's where. As a hiring manager, as a leader, this really – and I know it's a little off from what we're talking about with the workshops, but think about building a positive culture in your organization. You take somebody Mm -hmm. who has the, the resume is perfect, their skills are perfect, their experience is perfect, and you think this is just the best person for the job. You hire them, but you don't know that they are super high off the scale harmonious. And what do you do with the person? you take them and you drop them into a cubicle form. Mm. What's gonna happen? They're gonna be not as productive as you want them to be. Right. For sure. Right. And they're gonna be miserable. And at some mm-hmm. point, six, seven, eight months, nine months later, they end up leaving or they're caught behavior issues, or they're having problems. They're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I thought Jill was gonna be the perfect candidate. I thought Bill was gonna be the perfect guy. Right. And he or she was, but you've got them in this environment that they just a complete opposite of what drives them and motivates them and helps them be productive. Right. And uh, to add to that, David, also uh, mentioned the fact of the,
1: uh, just the uh, psychological harmony in the office. So you gotta, yeah. they don't like a lot of drama. They don't like people having uh, experiences where they're, getting, they're going off the deep end or they're yelling or screaming. That's not a good place for a,
0: a high harmonious person. Nope, because they're not able to compartmentalize as well as yeah. a high objective person. Mm-hmm. And at some point, if they're having to do that, or they're having to, I have to shut everything out and I have to compartmentalize to be, to focus and be done. It's a huge stress on them, and they're having to adapt That's way right. too much. And at some point, we're not going to keep as human beings. We're not going to keep pushing the boulder uphill forever. Mm-hmm. We're going to find another place to work mm-hmm. that fits us better. Where if you just knew those types of things, mm-hmm. you could be able to, sh- you might not be able to put this person in the corner office, but what could you do to adapt, to put this person in a better right. spot to be, so they could be more productive? Or even right. if the job itself doesn't lend itself to that, you've got a great person that you mm-hmm. believed in when you hired them. Why not take them and see what other jobs in the organization may be a better fit for them? Put them in there and just let them flourish and let them, let them thrive. And you sure. don't have that turnover. You have right. the, you keep a good person in
1: your organization. That's right. And Dave, that's just two of the areas of the drivers. So we could go on and on about yeah, that. Yeah, that's just all one great. Areas.
0: Exactly. That's just one mm-hmm. good example. But to get back to the workshop, what we do mm-hmm. is typically one of the biggest issues, and this is why we covered it in the podcast, where we talk mm-hmm. about the clean approach to building a successful business. One mm-hmm. of the first three, communication, leadership, and engagement. Mm-hmm one of the biggest problems in organizations because organizations hire people and no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. And people always end up having issues with communication unless there's a strong culture that's built. And so when you have issues with communications, it could simply be misunderstandings because of communication behavioral styles. It could be the structures of the way, it could be the way that We organizationally communicate with each other, email versus text versus, versus, versus whatever. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things, communication issues. It could be as simple as silos. I have my department, my kingdom, my little feet Mm -hmm. in here. That's right. Happens so much out there. That part happens quite a bit too. So there's a Mm -hmm. lot of issues for communication. And so Mm -hmm. what we typically do is we give everybody at a minimum behavior driving forces assessment and let them go through that tool before they come to the workshop And we start working with it, like you said, with some exercises and some Mm icebreakers and try to just kind of break a little bit of the tension. But mainly we start to educate them and teach them about here's the part about the behavioral assessment and here's all these different components. Here's Mm -hmm. all these different behavioral styles that are out there and get people to realize there's not one good or one bad. You need a good blend of all of them in your organization. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they start to
1: learn about each other. And are able to identify some of these behavioral styles or driving forces but, that
0: these people possess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I like that. Because, and here's why we like to, to we do the grand reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. Because as you, if you do the grand reveal up front, you're like, when you start to learn about these all the way throughout. And we have, and you, you and I both do this. We have the name tags and tent cards that has their behavioral style, and their primary driving forces on there they start looking around and they're curious and they have to know and what is that for you what is that for me and they start and they start to have as they learn through the workshop they start to have these little aha moments where they're discovering these things about themselves and they're discovering Mm -hmm. these things about their teammates all along the way as they go that's right so that way when you go through and you figure out, okay, well, you're over here, this person's over there. Here's a lot of what are the some of the potential conflict, they know what that is. Now what do you what can you do to eliminate some of that conflict? Yes. How do you adapt your and we go very deep and in specific into how do you adapt your communication style to that of all the other ones? So mm-hmm. that way when you know there's somebody of a different communication style, you can adapt that and you can really get Meeting them on their level. You're not being fake. You're not being inauthentic. You're meeting them where they are at their level. And it's that's empathy. Right. That's
1: it's right. Giving them the tools. Her. That's right. Give them the tools so that they can work with each other better. And as a result, they become more engaged in that work culture. Exactly.
0: And then it's funny to see the light bulbs come on a lot of times. Oh, oh, wow. That's, that explains a lot. That explains mm-hmm. how sure. you know, Sue does what she does. Oh, that explains you know why, why these two people have conflict. It's mm-hmm. funny to ha- let them have those aha moments along the way, and one of the things that we do is we talk about different phrases. We look at – here's how you can basically people read. You look at body mannerisms and tonality and pace and different things and the actual words they use, and they we talk about words that work. Or certain styles and words that do not work, and those mm-hmm. are not willy-nilly. Those aren't just out of thin air. That's where I wanted to come back to the neuroscience research, because TTI has a neuroscience research lab where they do EEG readings, and they take people that they know are certain styles, flash certain words in front of them, mm-hmm. and they don't see it, but behind them, all the EEG wires are, and they're, t- they're doing real time. Yeah, brain scans and so you know, eight a second type of thing. And so there, when somebody pops a word up, there's just vehement reaction on one side of the brain. And well, how does that word make you feel? Oh, that word is fine, and you're like, oh, oh, it just sets you off. You're lying to me because I know Mm. you had that big of a reaction to that word because of the way the brain scans were. So when they talk about words that work and words that don't work, this comes from. Science And they published a lot of these studies, which were really cool. Right. Um, so that's why I like it had that hard science, from the neuroscience research end of it, from the EG end of it, and from the, uh, from the statistical analysis end of it, to mm-hmm. know when you're showing this to somebody, they're like, wow, okay, we've had behavioral assessments before, communication assessments before. One of my pet peeve phrases, we've had personality assessments before. Mm-hmm. Oh, you went to a clinical psychologist? No. You went to a psychiatrist? No. Those are the guys that deal in your in deep into personality. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, uh, analyzing behaviors and motivators and driving forces is not getting so much more into personality. So I look at what are, are you measuring? You're measuring behaviors, You're measuring mm-hmm. communication styles. You're measuring motivators. You're not measuring personality but they say they've had mm. these tests before and they and get them confused exactly yeah. And, and yeah. rightfully so that's not their area of expertise Right. but the funny thing is they say we've never heard this we've had something similar but never to this depth never to this broad where we're looking at because they've said well we've, if you're not fast paced or you're not task oriented or you're not this style or that style then this is the good style and everything else is bad no. that's right you need that good blend, and what I love about it is the fact that not only do you need that diversity in your team, you need that mm-hmm. blend of different styles in your team. You that's right. Also, and if you don't, how are you going to make up for those gaps? So right. You really learn how to appreciate the differences of others. Now, one of the not ideas is just tolerate them. That's right. One of the examples we use, Dave, is that
1: table. You've know, you got to have a table that's got four legs, so that's the four behavioral styles, but we take it to eight. Different yeah. quadrants with that approach. So you actually need eight legs to that table, and uh, if, if it's good to have a, a sampling of each of those uh, areas represented in your company through the people that you you have on your team.
0: Well, yeah, the more you have, the more stable it is.
1: That's exactly and, right.
0: And if you do, and there are industries that you'll have clusters just because of you know, attracting. You have people that are maybe very analytical have a very analytical behavior style. And there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into that. So you may have CPA firm or an IT mm-hmm. firm or different mm-hmm. things where well, you have a cluster of that or a social services organization where you mm-hmm. have very kind of this people oriented, slower pace. You have a big grouping of people oriented uh, down here. And then you're like, okay, well, how about the analysis of the task oriented and right. you know, all these different functions, but it's fine to have a big cluster of folks that are there But who do you have in the other ones and how are you making up for? That's something they need to pay attention to if they want a well-balanced culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, right, you can't have a whole bunch of just hard charger driving folks and nobody there to double-check the details, nobody to make sure things are right, nobody to make sure that the people are it, like I said, no matter what business firm, we're in a people business. And so that's right. How we treat our employees or how our employees are going to treat our customers. Mm-hmm. And so we need to make sure that you have somebody that's keeping an eye on that as well. You have right. to have that balance. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that when we, when we finally get to that point, talking about the behaviors, talk about the driving forces, and people have those aha moments. Then at the very end, and we, like I said, exercises throughout, yeah. we actually go through a, what we call a team debrief mm-hmm. on the board. And we have every, all out in the open on the board in a good way. Here's a big graphical representation of our team. And mm-hmm. we're on this big wheel. Where is everybody? and Where are the gaps? And where are wow. the potentials for conflict? And there you and, go. What does and, it all mean? What does it mean? How do I take this information and how do I actually do something with it? Mm -hmm. How do I adapt my communication style to that of others? How do I take this and if I have a sale, if I have a customer that's coming in, or I'm dealing with a, a, a coworker who I don't know what their behavior style is or what motivates them, what are some things that I can look for to be able to maybe clue me in and pick that up? That's right. And then based on you're not judging or pigeonholing someone you're like okay well this is probably close to what might be their behavioral style because it is observable behavior mm-hmm. let me see about adapting my pace to theirs let me see mm-hmm. about mirroring my approach to theirs and kind of meeting them where they're at and communicate them how they want to be communicated That's right. We're helping people understand each other
1: and too often people feel that everyone should communicate the way they communicate or should be treated the way they want to be treated. And that's not the way it usually works. We've got to be able to understand people where they're at, adapt to their styles, adapt to the way their needs and wants. And if they, on the other hand, people that that individual is working with do the same to that individual, they try to come across that bridge halfway then we've got something that can really create that kind of culture that's going to keep your employees engaged and retain them over the long haul.
0: Absolutely. The biggest thing is getting that initial awareness and mm-hmm. understanding where you're at, understanding the tools and what to do with them, and then taking these tools Is because you know, you've got, anywhere from 40 to 60 and sometimes even more pages of data that comes with these. That's reports, right. How are you going to You can't digest that in one day. So we always leave them with what we call a self debrief guide that mm-hmm. they can sit down and just flip through page by page and get it, go through their assessment and really do more of a, almost like a deep dive, almost like a self coaching type of thing. Mm-hmm. Really delve into the material deeper and really internalize what it's telling them, and then maybe who do they need to share that with, and who would benefit by knowing this. And and Dave, in addition to that, we also
1: encourage them to use that as part of their performance appraisal process. They can take the ingredients from those assessments and put that into the goals that they're setting for that individual over the next year. Uh, So some of the areas that they can work on can be brought right out of that assessment that we've, we've shared with them.
0: One of the things I like is when you talk, it talks about str- uh, stressors and energizers. It also talks mm-hmm. about potential time wasters. And what I and oh, you that's talk a big one. Oh, it's a huge one. And what I like is it's not just critical. It's not this. This is where you're wasting time. Well, this is a, as the word says, potential time waster. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is what the cause would be potentially. And here's some suggested solutions. Mm-hmm. And so you might have five or six of these in your assessment, and you're like, wow, that one's me. Cool. Well if you identify with one of those potential time wasters and you Mm -hmm. want to be more productive and more efficient, Mm -hmm. what are the potential causes? And it gives you what you can do about it. So it's not just, hey, there's a problem and it points out the problem. Okay, well what do you want me to do about it? That's right. Giving them a structure. A structure Exactly.
1: Implements a strategy for change. That's what we're we're using with these tools. So
0: Right. And you're right. The biggest thing is they have the, now they have the tools to actually go through and do something with that. You know? And mm-hmm. what I love, and after the, they kind of get this whole thing, say, so, all right, now where are we going to go from there? How are we going to use this? Mm-hmm. And really get that kind of key takeaway type of session at the very end. But for all of the folks that go through when we do something for a team and organization, we always end up putting together what they call these comparison reports. So mm-hmm. I have all my individual reports. So you see everything up on as a team, as an mm-hmm. aggregate. And it Mm -hmm. breaks down the different behavioral characteristics, Mm -hmm. a sense of urgency or or organized workplace or all these different behavioral characteristics. And it writes, well, here's for your team and here's where everybody rates on that. Mm -hmm. So you can see same thing where your strengths are in detail, potentials for conflict and such. But it also, when you can give that manager and that direct report of, one-on-one comparison report where they can go through side-by-side and sit down for a one-on-one afterwards. Mm-hmm. You look at this as a team. You look at this with the self-deprecating guy as an individual. Now, how is this going to work for you for your super, direct supervisor or your direct reports? Mm-hmm. You have this tool that you can sit down and go through this comparison report and go line-by-line. Line. Ways to communicate with Joe, ways to communicate with Sue, ways, more importantly, not to not communicate. Not to, yeah that's much more important because those are the things that will shut them down. Sure. So what not to do is sometimes much more important than what to do. So they go through and actually work through this comparison report. It's a one-on-one. So if you're, if you're a manager, Tom, in an organization, you have six direct reports. You sit down, schedule six one-on-ones and go through this with them. You both have a copy. So what makes it so easy for you is when your direct reports come in to communicate with you, they've got the roadmap. Mm-hmm. So they know the best way to communicate with you. Yes. And vice versa, when you have news that you need to individually give to all six of these, you can take the same message and craft it and tailor it that's right. differently for each of the six people and mm-hmm. know that you're going to effectively get that through to them, engage them, connect with them, get to where they're at. And that's, that's really right. much more powerful than just putting out a blast email and say, I Yeah, know, we, we could, with them.
1: We could uh, take a, a, a notion from... Uh, Tony Alexander, and he has that platinum rule that yes. do unto others as they want to be done unto, or, yes. or rather treat other people the way they want to be treated is better way we're saying it. And that's the same thing with communication. We should communicate with other people the way they want to be communicated to. So it just makes good sense to do
0: it. Yeah, that and one. that's exactly what it is. That is definitely taking and switching from the golden rule to the platinum rule, meeting them where they're at. Mm-hmm adjusting, not changing your communication style, but adjusting, making the little adjustments you need to yes. to adapt to them and communicate with them in the way that they best want to be communicated with and That's vice right. versa. If mm-hmm. both of you have been through that training and workshop at some level, then the other person is just as responsible for meeting you halfway mm-hmm. as you are for meeting them halfway. And you want to talk about something that can be really powerful is to be able to do that. And then you mm. even just take it for people that haven't gone through the training. You can read enough of people to understand, even in a sales context, okay, well, this is what I'm getting from my prospect or potential customer or my customer I have now. Maybe I would be more effective in tweaking the messaging and, and giving it to them in a different format. That's right. That's a great point.
1: They don't it's want to off.
0: drown them in all the details. They just need the bullet points in the executive summary and the mm-hmm. details there if I wanted to if, if I have a specific question. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are the detail person. You you give them three bullet points executive a, a summary only and they're mm-hmm. you're just like, That's nice, but where are the details? That's right. So you really need and just knowing that may help you take let's just say you're have a you doing a pitch and you have maybe 28 points in a deck or 28 slides in a deck that you might be doing. You are able to pull out enough information to realize, you know what? There's six of these that apply to this person that mm. are really going to resonate. Let me just hone on these six. I don't need to sit there and drown them out with the whole 28. Let me do this. That's and right. They have focus. Focus. And then give them the chunk of the piece that really resonates with them. So it's not just an internal team thing on building a strong culture. This also has ramifications and implications that's to, right. outside your organization as well. well. That's right. So Dave, let's, uh, let's summarize for our
1: listeners uh, what they can do and uh, from what we've chatted about today and uh, just wrap
0: it up. Sure. Well, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is doing these team workshops for mm-hmm. boards and for senior leadership teams. That's a Absolutely. great way to start. Yeah, um, start top down. Start at top down because I can promise mm-hmm. you this. If you're a CEO or a business owner or a manager or of an organization and you bring in something that you haven't been through and you're mm-hmm. not aware of and you mm-hmm. bring it into the middle of the, oh, that's it. Yeah. My middle managers need communication training. Give it to them. Mm-hmm. Great. But the problem ends up being, if you're not on a board now, they start speaking a different language. Mm, They start doing things differently, and you're not familiar with it, so it bucks against the culture that you already have. That's right. It's not something you can assimilate and create a better positive culture because it didn't really start at the top. That's right. Good point. So whether it's with a board, and one of the biggest things with boards is the communication between the CEO or executive director and the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the board and the CEO – perfect place to start and then be able to take that down to the CEO and all the C-suite of VPs. Or that's C-suite right. VPs that, or that's walk on the talk. Exactly. And then what that does is it breaks down silos as well. It's not just a matter of the personal communication, but it helps now that I can understand and relate and how, you know, what are we going to use to take away with this and put this to use in our organization? Mm-hmm. It's very effective in helping to break down those silos. They can just naturally mm-hmm. evolve in our organization. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing with, and whether it's a critical alignment for boards or for senior leadership teams, and then working its way down through the different divisions and looking at these. Sure. That we have, how can you find, mm-hmm. and even if you don't use these tools or you, you know, we're more than happy to come in and actually, and help out with this. But if you don't find a way to do this for yourself, find a way to get this information.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How can you find out more about the, different, better ways to communicate with your staff, with your leaders, with your managers, how can you best build build that culture, build that positive culture. And it Mm -hmm. all starts. And this is what we're going to talk about. That's why we talked about this in today's talk about the clean approach. It all starts with the communication. If you Mm -hmm. can get that right, Mm -hmm. brother, I can do all the selection tools in the world and we talk about different employee engagement initiatives. And if you're not communicating, it's not, I can do all the leadership training in the world. But if you're not effectively communicating and you don't have this connection where you're truly wanting to meet them at their level and communicate with them how they want to be communicated with, mm-hmm. all for not wasted money. Right? Why do that? When, so that's why we always start with the communication end of it as well. So that okay. is one aspect of being able to start to build a strong, positive culture. Mm -hmm. within an organization, and this is just some examples of some tools that you can utilize to be able to spark the conversation, improve the communications, know more about your team and how to communicate with your team, and be able to go forward from there. That's right. Now, if our listeners want to know
1: more about the tools that we're using with our clients, feel free to give us a call or contact us with the information on the screen, and we'll be happy to help them out.
0: We'll put the contact information below and we can have a conversation. We're more than happy to give you a sample assessment of one of these and you can try it for yourself and see,
2: Hey,
0: is this a good fit? And if it is right. great, and if it's not, that's cool. You haven't wasted your time or money. You know exactly what you have and you walk away with a valuable tool that you know a little bit more about yourself, but mm-hmm. if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit because it's, you know not, if everything, if all you have is a hammer, Every mm. problem that you see is going to be a nail.
1: Great analogy.
0: And that's why we like to have a variety of tools and suites and different things. That that's right. To be able to look at different problems and bring mm-hmm. different approaches and different solutions to those problems. That's so right. Any last words, Tom, before we uh, let our listeners go? I think one
1: of the keys is just to remember that uh, there's uh, many roads to the uh, mother load of gold. And that is uh, there's a lot of ways to solve your problems. We've got a couple of the solutions. Uh, so, be open now minded to whatever solutions come your way and you'll find a better way to, to build that
0: culture that you want and need inside your organization. This is very true. So thanks for listening to Business Parts Radio, uh, where we bring you, as we mentioned, the clean approach to building a successful business. And today we talked about see in depth the communication end of it and some tools that you can use to build a strong, positive culture in your organization. We will talk to you next time. Take care.